Welcome to a very special episode of the DLC podcast. This week, DLC stands for Discussing Live, the convention, because uh, we're, we're, we're meeting at a non-usual time. It's very late in the evening, and uh, I literally just left a what turned into a Blink-182 concert. Uh, jelly. I, <laughs> I left so the, uh, jelly. the Bethesda downtown big event that was at a hangar. They got that Fallout 4 money. They rented out a hangar downtown in, in Los Angeles. Um, and, and earlier today, the EA conference. Uh, we're convening in this very special episode to talk about the E3 video game conference and the, and the, and the press conferences that, that started it off today, uh, Sunday, uh, a day earlier than, than traditionally. Um, and it's going to be fun. Christian is here. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Um, uh, sorry, springing this on you. We have a great guest, but I'm springing this on you right now up top. Um, we need gun regulation in this country. And if you think that having stricter gun regulation wouldn't have prevented what happened in Orlando, um, I think probably you're wrong. But also, it still wouldn't hurt to have. And it's tragic. And I did it last time. And I'm going to keep doing it after I have my letter written to send to my representatives. I will share it with you, everyone online, so you can do the same. I am angry. I'm going to talk about video games the rest of the show. If I have alienated any of our listeners, and this makes you quit listening to DLC because you believe differently than me. Good. I'm sorry that you feel that way. You're wrong. Guns are a problem. Yeah, I was going to hit on this too. It's, it's, it was a rough day, a uh, rough way to start um, really one of my favorite weeks of the year and a very tough way to, to get into uh, what is a time where we get all excited about uh, playing violent video games and uh, especially a lot of them that are uh, – shooting and violent in in a very real way it was very difficult very difficult thing to to, to way to start the day uh, i was very conflicted and i actually it, it was a major detriment on how i um received uh, the press conferences today but i want to talk about that more but i do want to think uh we have a guest guys uh an awesome guest he was with us last year to talk about the press conferences we managed to talk him back into coming uh you know him as a uh a uh, dependable legacy confirmer from the old uh, we have confer- uh, we we have concerns <laughs> weekend confirm <laughs> days, uh, and also a former uh, features editor for the joystick, and uh, he's one of our favorite people, Zav Damatos. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Thank you so much for having me. I wish uh, we didn't have to start the show off the way that we did, but tragically uh that happened and uh we're going to talk about video games and try to bring people's spirits up indeed indeed uh yeah it's it's a tough thing to reconcile um enjoying fake violence uh in the context of having real violence take such center stage in all of our lives and i had a really hard time getting to that place but again you know i i kind of echo what christian said and and what zev is saying too and i think it's important to be able to still find joy in things so uh, this is the most exciting week in video games, and uh, I think it kicked off, certainly had a hard time this morning waking up, uh, and I think the EA press conference uh, had also a, a hard time getting going, um, you know, for very different reasons. Oh, uh, you know, I, I don't, I guess every year we have leaks, 
But my goodness, uh, there have been some major, major leaks all day, all the last couple of days uh, for this year's E3. And I feel like their particular leak uh, stole a lot of wind from their sales. Um, yeah, certainly from Vince Zampella. <laughs> yes, my goodness. I mean, they kicked off the EA's uh, event, which was the first time that they have not participated in uh, E3 proper. They're they're not going to be on the show floor. They're not going to have any kind of presence at the actual convention. They That's are because throwing- Snoop can't smoke weed on the actual show floor, <laughs> right? Uh, they're throwing their own party. They took their ball and they didn't so much go home as they went, you know, just really close. <laughs> right next door. Uh, <laughs> uh, their ball is just on the other side of the, of the place where they usually have the ball. Um, but no, they had their own event uh, at, you know, at LA Live. And um, it was, boy, it was annoying to get into that place. <laughs> It was really bungled on almost every level, um, but I guess it also was complicated. I talked to an official there, one of the people that's very high up at EA, was telling me that uh, you know obviously security had changed because of the events that happened in Orlando. Um, so I guess you have to you know under, be understanding there, but it, it really felt like a first time for them to to try this new thing. Uh, and then to have this big leak, they, you know, they kicked off their show with uh, Titanfall Two, a game. That I am very excited about, um, but yeah, it felt like all the wind was out of the sails for Titanfall Two a little bit because of the the big leak that had happened just just a few hours earlier. Zav, what what was your take? Wait, wait, we need to say the leak. Oh, it was the you know the single player yes. campaign uh, trailer, which was sort of the centerpiece of what they were planning to show for Titanfall Two. They they started uh, the press conference by showing the multiplayer trailer for Titanfall 2, uh, which uh, right away it was like, oh man, we're shooting people in the face. This is a hard day to see that. But it did look cool. I mean, it looked like the, that traversal stuff that um, is a, a part of the Titanfall universe in the first game is back and expanded upon. There's grappling hooks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but really, you know, the big news, the big thing, the big event part of uh, Titanfall 2 was going to be this reveal that yes, the single-player campaign is happening. The rumors are true, and here's a trailer. But everybody had already seen the trailer. Um, so, Zav, yeah. tell me your feelings about that. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I, I was a big fan of Titanfall uh, when it came out. Uh, but like, a, but like a lot of people, it sort of came out at a weird time where I think it came out in the middle of the spring, and pretty quickly some new games came out, and it sort of got to the back burner of all the things I was playing. And part of the reason was for me, because I love single-player campaigns, and if you're trying to build a world, I think it's important that you really place that world and the characters within it by telling the story of how they've gotten to this point. And they try a little bit of that in the you know vignettes between the multiplayer matches, and you sort of get a little bit of story from there. Uh, but having a single-player campaign is a big get, I think, for this franchise to elevate itself beyond just being a multiplayer shooter. Because the characters themselves, it's not like Overwatch. Overwatch has character within those characters. They have personalities and they have sort of a, an inherent story that goes along with you know with, with how uh, Blizzard creates their cutscenes. There wasn't anything like that for Titanfall. So I'm really excited to actually get to learn about this world. And it's sort of like my buddy. It's like you and the Iron Giant running around. Um, and you have this, this robot that's sort of tasked with protecting you and this ongoing mission. I think that's really cool. One thing I really hope they take away from the reception to it is that they turn around and do the same thing with star Wars battlefront, 
next time. Mm. Because that is a game that even cast members who played the game from the Star Wars Force Awakens <laughs> said, hey, are you guys ever going to do this? Because we would really like to play in this world. Uh, so th- I'm really excited about Titanfall 2. I really think – and it's coming to all platforms. That's obviously a great thing for PlayStation fans. Um, and I really like the first one. So I'm hoping for for a really great single-player campaign out of there. Yeah. Um, Christian, do you want to chime in? Yeah. I, I think it looks great um, graphically. I think it looked very impressive what they showed. I think Titanfall, the multiplayer, is, is going to be not for me. It seems um, – frenetic in a way that i will not be skilled enough to play i don't quite i think it's just they're going for the hey this is cool what else can we add that's cool like in a world with wall running and jetpacks like what is a rope at like why would you ever need like a whip i don't know but i then they did that midair kill and i was like oh for cool stuff (laughs) like you don't need it it's just for cool stuff and and then my time with the original you know, the multi Titanfall one, I didn't spend much, maybe three hours with the, with the game through EA access. Um, I, I don't know if I'm on board for this campaign with like, it seems like the Titan is the character, like your character is kind of just soldier dude. And like, it's like a sentient Optimus prime Titan. Was that in the first game that Titans have a thing? Sort of AI part of the titan i think i mean obviously you can put them on like leash right. mode right and, and they'll follow you around so there's clearly ai in that universe's fiction that's happening but yeah it does it seemed a lot like the uh you know dog from half-life 2 uh, you yeah. know except i felt like the human was almost the dog i don't know it felt weird and i i fully expect the story of this game goes something happens and you need to you you know, there's evil happening and you're fighting other Titans, like the evil within the corporation. And it's like your task, like the Titan, like fights its programming or whatever. It's like do mission, save person does not like has that Robocop moment. You know, I'm, I'm a little worried that what they might end up doing is put all the personality in the Titan because the character that you play is this, you know, mute, customizable. Don't give him any flash because we want him to be every man. So let's not give him a voice or, or, or anything like that. So that is a little worrying. Um, but I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I, I have fears that the Titan is going to be the main character and it's, you know, hard enough to relate to a world where this is happening, but now I'm going to be relating to a talking robot, um, who seems to be calling all the shots, which is kind of funny. <laughs> How did it uh, feel to you on the show floor, Jeff? Like, did it hit hard? And when people impressed, because you were the only one of the three of us that were there live in person. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. I think it got a lot of cheers in the audience. People were were into it. Um, it obviously, they acknowledged that they said, like, there were four people here who haven't already seen this. <laughs> I think I think they were all very bummed that the, that it leaked and that the release date had leaked. I mean, it, it really could have felt like that cool fallout four moment from last year of like, Hey, here's the trailer and it's coming out this year. Boom. When it felt like everybody was already armed with that information when they walked in the door. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think overall that was probably going to be one of the big takeaways of this press conference was that moment. And to have that moment stolen or ruined, I think really put a pall on the entire pre- press conference. Cause there wasn't that much more to it, to the press conference, sadly. Um, well, but, there was, but it's just coming in 2018 or 2019. Like, I feel like yeah. EA has a lot of games I really want to play. I just, 
I think my kids will be playing them. I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I tweeted that the takeaway from the EA press conference was uh, games take a long time to make, guys. <laughs> we're, we're working real hard. Like, like, look, they got people have desks and <laughs> monitors and everything. Look, we're working so hard on stuff. They animate one leg and then they sit back and fold their arms and smile and examine their work. At It's clearly like late at night. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The most compelling thing that they showed off was the upcoming Zac Efron, Jamie Foxx buddy. <laughs> it's called reluctant commentators. <laughs> <laughs> poor, uh, poor Jose, man. That's uh, one of my very good friends, Jose Sanchez, who is uh, hosting the, um, the Battlefield One celebrity play and, and was just so hamstrung by the celebrities that they got. Uh, oof, that's rough. Uh, but we'll get to all that. I want to kind of want to step through uh, all that stuff. And, and maybe, the, you know, those overall feelings certainly are welcome and, and should you guys should express the overall sense from the EA conference. But, um, you know, to get back to, to Titanfall 2, I, I am really excited about the single-player campaign. That's what I really wanted in that universe. I just think the idea uh, of a game that plays like that game plays and has mechs and all that stuff, and that I get to experience this cool story in, I, I am so down for that. I'm a bit bummed that it seems like I won't be able to upgrade my mech. <laughs> like, if I get that, do I have that same mech through the whole game then? Because one of the cool things about Titanfall is that there's different mechs, and there's super powerful ones, and there's, you know, tanky ones, and there's other, you know, it's like, that's kind of the cool thing. But I bet you'll get, I'm assuming, I mean, this is, this is, Infinity Ward, right? Like old school Infinity Ward. There will be a level where your mech is outfitted with tank mech and you'll go and do the thing. Just, you know what I mean? I, I think you'll see varied mission types, but I don't think you'll be able to customize your mech and ch- pick to choose how you want. Like one level will be stealth mech, one level will be tank mech. I think they're going to deliver some uh, variety in that mech gameplay. I hope so. I, and I expect you're right, but. Um... I'm I'm a little concerned that if you were to die in that game, rather than respawn, he's just going to go find someone else to hang out. <laughs> that pretty clear that he does not care. <laughs> if you die, he's just going to imprint on someone else. It's yeah. like it is it is going to end badly for your character. <laughs> Pilot, weak flesh creature, <laughs> need new one. Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of people thought that the the real big wow moments were going to come from Mass Effect Andromeda being on display at the EA press conference. We last year we got a fun tease that Mass Effect Andromeda was coming. People are hard at work on it. We're look there's some behind the scenes for Mass Effect Andromeda guys. Stay tuned. Next year we'll be back. And they here they were back next year, and guess what? People are still hard at work on Mass Effect Andromeda, powered by Frostbite. Um, we got we did get kind of a teasery, quick cut trailer that showed some stuff. Um, I came away very disappointed. Uh, obviously, we don't want the game to come out before it's ready, and and you know, this is a gigantic game that has a lot riding on it. So of course, you know, you don't want to rush them, but also. I really was hoping for a little more meaty info on what Mass Effect Andromeda was going to be. Uh, Zav, were you able to pull anything out of uh, those snippets that gave you some joy and excitement? I mean, other than the fact that it looks fantastic, I think that that engine's going to do wonders for it. And they have, you know, a really compelling idea of a story where you're sort of looking for humanity's new home. I think that's cool. 
rather than this sort of political unrest as humanity enters this union of aliens. So it's a to- it's a different take on that universe. Um, but yeah, I was d- super disappointed with it as well. Other than it looking fantastic, I was really hoping they would show something rather than the same thing they did last year, which is like here are a couple people at desks and they're working on it. Here's some you know wireframes. That's a game. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to see what this game is about, and you know, like you said, obviously we want them to be finished the game. But last year they teased us. This year, if I feel like they thought, well, we're giving you more. But, man, we really would love to go back to that universe. Yeah, and it, it seems pretty clear to me that this is, you know, a holiday 2017 game at the earliest. Uh, oh, yeah. Otherwise, we would probably have gotten more. Um, Christian, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I wish they didn't show anything last year because then this would be – you know, it's like yeah. those business business decisions of when to show and when not to show and when to hold. Now, since they showed it last year, I feel like they have to show it again this year or it's like what's happening with Mass Effect. They have to at least acknowledge it. I think, too, Bioware has gone – has seen a lot of key people leave. And not that they can't make a good game, but I'm not surprised that this game is taking or could potentially take so long to make because it has very high standards to live up to. A lot of people that drove and molded the first three games are no longer at the company and they're also you know, having their Halo 4 moment, right? Where like those first three games are a very complete story and now it's like oh, crap, what do we do? You know, do we bring back Shepard? I'm sure they met for months or at least days talking about who the protagonist is going to be, what story is this? So I hope they deliver. I agree with Zav that it looks fantastic. It looks like, you know, they're sticking with that over-the-shoulder third-person combat. They're not doing anything to rock the boat in terms of the gameplay you expect. I'm curious to see if they make the decision-making a little less binary. And we saw no dialogue in this that, you know, implied player choice. It, I think it will be in the game, but they didn't even give you a hint to like gray area decisions in, the, in what they showed. Yeah, yeah. The only thing we really know for the story is um, the name of the ship, which is the Tempest and the name of your character, which is Ryder. There's the only two details yeah. that we know really about the, the narrative of the game. So other than that, I mean, they really have been keeping their cards. They're close to the chest. I mean, we know, you know, the Krogan, Salarians and the Sari are going to be in the game because we've seen them in some of those clips, uh, but really very quiet on the fact. I mean, this year they was just like, hey, Frostbite, it's a thing. Yeah. It looks good. And uh, we want more. Yeah. And I guess you, you wake up, you know, on the other side of the galaxy where humans are rare. Uh, that's kind of an interesting concept. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we don't know much. I guess there was a, you know, a quick snippet of, of the Mako, right? So we know that's back, you know, in some form. Um, yeah, there's not much else to pull out of there other than, yeah, it looks real pretty. But, um, boy, it just seems like it's so far off. Jazz Galaxy in the chat says the entire E3 press conference was people at their desks. It's like the whole conference was just to convince the people who write checks that they all really do do something. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was my takeaway. It's like, look, people are working so hard, you guys, <laughs> on things you like. You know those things you like? We work on those things. Well, I mean, it could go the other way because uh, Patrick Klepik recently reposted a story he did for Kotaku last year about E3 demos. I don't know if you guys read this. Uh, And he was talking about how a lot of developers who a lot of them remained anonymous in the story said that a lot of the times during E3, they're pulled off their projects for months to create a demo just to show at E3 that won't be in the game. Right. So 
if we want to think about Mass Effect as a game we really want, we should be glad that that didn't at least happen, where people have been pulled off the project to create just some sizzle thing for us to watch and be impressed by. Um, so hopefully that means they're focused and that game is going to come out sooner than we hope. I, you know, I think that that is a, a very, very wise thing to say. And, and I, I think it is a, another example of how E3 as a concept is changing and maybe more of these, these companies, more of these developers are realizing, Hey, we end up making worse games if we have to create a thing to sell the thing to people that isn't the thing that we're eventually going to sell to people. Uh, and and I, I can get behind that. I can get behind, you know, don't waste your time making a, a demo that isn't actually the game just to convince us that the game is going to be good. Make the game. Um, but then in that case, I, I, don't, I feel like messaging – around that could still improve. And I don't think the, the answer is what we saw two years in a row with this, you know, I think there's a, a different way to go about it perhaps. Um, but certainly see the polar opposite from like a company like Ubisoft. Yeah. Where they will spend a lot of time and effort building something that isn't, um, what the final game is. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe that's better. Maybe that's better. But I also feel like it, it – I don't know. I, I can understand why they felt like they didn't need to be on the on the show floor this year. And it, it really made their whole press conference feel pretty slight to me. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff. I mean I'll hit on just briefly some of the other concepts that they brought up. I love the fact that they have this new EA Originals arm that is going to try to uh, – I think be their sort of indie house, their indie development side that it will champion smaller, more, um, more daring games, games that don't fit into the, uh, into the sequel factory that EA has become. Um, and I, I think that's a great thing. Anything that gets us new, different ideas. I don't know how excited I was about Faye. Um, it, it looks, it as something that looks, has a, a, Unique look, but I don't think that the gameplay looked particularly original. Well, the gameplay didn't show any hooks. I think that get you coming back. I thought the art style looked great. It looked like Ori in the Blind Forest meets Firewatch to some extent. Like it, it looked um, like the forest landscapes. Look, you know, it looked like it was built in Unity with you know similar the way Firewatch looks. So I think it was beautiful, but I wasn't quite sure what keeps you going back. I, I mean, I looked like they were trying to sell sandbox gameplay or you know, that emergent gameplay, I guess, where every time you play it, it's different and you do whatever. But to me, it just looked a lot like the character sitting there and you push A and you see if you can control the thing and then send. The, I don't I don't know what the hook is. I don't know what the fun that's repeated. But, you know, I'll take a pretty game and then hope there's gameplay behind it. Right. Well, I like I like the idea. I like the the initiative of saying, hey, we're going to champion these, you know, bolder vision kinds of games that are maybe a little less uh, expensive for us to make and maybe we can try new different kinds of things and really let developers to run a little wild. I'm all for that. Uh, I just, you know, it remains to be seen whether, whether Faye is as interesting and compelling as unraveled was. Yeah. I, I would, 
I would think that they would wish that they had come up with the originals program with unraveled. Cause that probably would have set a little bit better with people, mm-hmm. but the originals idea is great. I mean, they help with advertising, they help with developing and marketing, and then all of the profits for the game go back to the developer, which I think is key. Yeah. Um, it seems like EA is really trying to change their perception uh, of, you know, what people think of them. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people who are, you know, in the business, like games journalists talking about, like, they're really trying to stay off the worst company in America list this year, like with ideas like this. And that's great. And, and, that's, the, and the charity thing that they mentioned as well, which I oh, thought, yeah. I thought it was a wonderful thing that usually you can't find room for in a press conference. You know, that, they don't usually waste time talking about st- stuff like that. I'm glad that they did. I'm glad they spent time, especially with the events that happened today. It felt like, oh my gosh, at least... There is some goodwill and some positivity being discussed. You know, I mean, as, uh, games are positive things in general, but it felt like oh, it's nice to inject some good into the world as well. Um, so I was really pleased that they spent time talking about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, it's it's fantastic. They, you know, I, th- yeah, I can be snarky with how they messaged it, but the fact that they're doing it and you don't see it from anyone else and they took the time on the biggest stage to talk about it is fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, we haven't really discussed the, the format of their press conferences here. It was a little strange. They had two locations, one in London and one here in Los Angeles, and they bounced back and forth between Peter Moore uh, on stage there and the people that were on stage in in L.A. and uh, it felt very much like, you know, FIFA is a big part of, of EA, and I think they wanted to put a big spotlight on FIFA and talk about it to the crowd that cares about it most. Um, and there was a lot of there was a lot of sports talk. They talked about Madden. They talked about their big uh, competitive initiative with Madden to try to create more tournaments and allow people to compete on every level and uh, do, doing the same across all their brands. Zav, not one word about NHL 2017, though. I know, broke my heart. They, um, it is the, the the stepchild of of EA. They really do not pay that much attention to it. But there's a lot of really good things coming out of the sports stuff. So obviously, the competitive things with Madden, really pushing that hard, and not just for people who are professionals, but people who just you know want more options for competitive play. You know, FIFA had that NBA 2K like live the life idea, which is called the journey in FIFA, where you create a character. And sort of live as this person from going through the ranks all the way up to the professional leagues. I wonder if because the person they had on stage who did sort of a bad rendition of beat poetry before it started, um, he ended up being the character in the game. Now, I don't know if that was just so we can identify, oh, that's the person and this is him in the game. Or if they're trying to tell us that we'll be able to use like EA Game Face to put ourselves in the game because they've done that in the past. I don't think that that's where they were going with that. I, what I and took away from it was this is the actor we got for this part. And this is the character that you'll all be playing as. Is Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to put, put yourself in the game. Uh, but also, I, my name is Zav, so I've never been able to put my name in the game, <laughs> let alone my face. So, uh, you know, and then the FIFA adding managers is a really cool thing that hasn't been in a sports game before. And if you are, if you're a soccer fan or a football fan, that's a, that's would be a big thing for you. What do you mean? Wait, Madden's had coaches on the sidelines. Oh yeah, I guess, and they've also had the 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 Madden Manager mode as well, and the separate NHL or sorry NFL uh, GM thing they've broken off. Yeah, so I, didn't, 
I didn't get that as a get where it's just like, now we're going to have the 20 of the managers you recognize sitting on the sign emoting, I guess. For me, if it, you know, as a hockey fan, I think it would be really cool to look and see the actual manager, the managers on the bench rather than some blank template mm. slate that's there as a sports fan. I could see why that's not, I mean, it's not going to make me buy the game. Let's not go crazy, but I think it's an interesting element because those people are very animated and they have personalities. And as we saw with the very awkward exchange with Peter, Moore. <laughs> but you know, I think that that is something that if you're a fan of a, a certain club or a certain, certain sports team, you're going to really appreciate that small detail that, frankly should have probably been in games for a long time, but a lot of licensing issues there. I'm sure. I love that that dude, uh, he was, he bought into the bit a hundred percent and he would not let me, Peter Moore like move on. Peter Moore clearly was like, yeah, no, this is a bit. We did a bit and now we're moving on. And the guy's like, no, 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 <laughs> we're not, I'm not done with this. It <laughs> was really funny. That's, um, being Portuguese and knowing that person specifically, um, I, I, it's just like me, like I tweeted about this. It's like me going to a family reunion. The reception that he got on that stage and the reaction was like, yeah, it's like spending time with my family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it clearly went over large with the London crowd. And, and uh, you know, I certainly don't know anything about, uh, you know, Premier League soccer or anything. But, um, yeah, it, it looked cool. I think I think the competitive stuff and the way esports has become such a monster requirement for any of these games now. At this point, you have to be building for esports with everything, and and I think that's actually going to only help games be more interesting. And and I think it's it's a very cool thing that it's happening in the sports stuff as well. I think you're going to see a fallout from it because I think right now the reason that some of these games have esports is because the company is using, I don't know where they're pulling the money from, their marketing budget or whatever. Like they're forcing the thing to become a thing. And I, I don't know if I like it that each company seems to be siphoning off their own thing instead of, it's like this is the EA tournament because everybody wants control. I feel like people recognized early that esports is going to become the thing and they recognize that before companies recognize that iTunes, you know, had dominated the musical digital musical sales markets or Netflix dominated streaming. And so now all these companies, instead of as a consumer, you getting one awesome thing, all the companies are creating their own little thing. And I think in the long run, that's anti-consumer and more of a headache than anything else. And I don't know if that model's sustainable or they're Every company's ponying up their own money to do this tournament and have it be the biggest and best tournament and tout it as this awesomest thing when it's just kind of your thing with your community. I don't know. We're seeing that now with video on demand services too, where everybody has their own streaming service for $5 a month. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's sustainable. I don't know. I roll my eyes at it. Well, they certainly have the size and strength of the IP to, you know, Madden and FIFA are massive Um, Mm. and they certainly have vibrant competitive scenes. So anything that they do to sort of continue that and expand it and make it more accessible to people that aren't the upper echelon, I think is a positive thing. I do love that they cut to Peter Moore. And the first thing he talked about in London was American football. <laughs> that was very funny. Very that odd. was the best. Yeah. Uh, Can I talk about just like as a whole now, or is that at the end? Like that, want- that split conference is awful. What? I don't know why, what, did- what they thought that would help with the only thing i can imagine is that the idea that hey fifa is such a big part of what this company does and and what their revenue stream is it doesn't play to an la audience but it does play to a london audience and since we're doing our own thing and we're getting people hands-on with games might as well get the people who want hands-on with that game hands-on with the game 
Well, I think they should have that event, that live event. But I, I don't know. I think like nothing seems, nothing kills momentum in a room more than shifting out of that room. And it's like they would get something going in one room and then it would be like, and now back to this room. And you're sitting there watching. It was, it, the press conference felt so disjointed to me. Yeah. And then like every time Peter Moore tried to hype up his audience, I don't know. Like this is not a critique of any of the games they showed, but as a conference, it was abundantly clear that this is their first one. They did much better than the PC did last year, but this the conference itself was horrendous. Well, they've done lot, they've done a press conference every year forever, but they haven't done their own sort of event. But, like, right there, yeah, right, right. Um, I agree with you. In the room, it felt weird. It, it just didn't feel like it bought them anything. And I thought it was kind of funny that. Um, when the guy introduced it, he said, one guy came up with this idea and then what that same guy thought we should go, you know, sat, satellite back and forth. I was like, well, that guy needs to get fired. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, we've already hit on this a little bit, but let's talk about Star Wars. They made a big deal about Star Wars. And, you know, we it's another one of those things of like, hey, we're really working so hard, guys. And you're going to be so excited in the next four years. But let me – I want to – frame the question to you this way when marvel studios comes out and says we've got this five-year roadmap and here's the movie that's coming and then the next movie that's coming and then that movie is coming and then in 2018 they all come together and they we get all excited right that's a, that's a really cool thing that we have this roadmap of marvel movies coming through the next you know half a decade but when ea comes out and says we've got star wars games coming in 2018 and then beyond it feels like, uh, why are you telling us now? It's, I can't even. So what's the double standard there about that? What do you think? Well, I mean, with Marvel, it's different because when they have those conferences, they talk about brand new characters that we know and love out of the comic books that have not been on film. So we get excited about seeing those characters translated or adapted to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's exciting. And we have had, you know, a decade of Marvel movies to prepare ourselves for like the, you know, next Avengers film that's broken up into two films. But with Star Wars, it's like, yeah, we're working on a third person shooter. It's like, okay, um, we don't have any details. And here's 30, not even 30 seconds of concept art for it. Uh, I mean, that's, Slightly different. Also, you know, they're pushing hard on their mobile game, which I know does very well, but I, I've played it and it's not really my cup of tea. Battlefront, I felt, was was pretty disappointing. Um, Motive, I think, you know, has, you know, a great team in Montreal working on it, but now it's a little confusing as to what they're actually doing because originally Motive, which is run by Jade Raymond, is working on Battlefront content or was working with Visceral, sorry, on their third person shooter, which Amy Hennig is, is writing. She left Naughty Dog to go there. And now they're saying that they're working on Battlefront and some people are reporting it as a Battlefront 2. Some people are reporting it as content for the original Battlefront. So that's still a little confusing. So, you know, it's just like, you know, if Marvel came out and said, yeah, we're working on the 10 Marvel movies in the next 10 years, we wouldn't get excited. But when they give us specifics, yeah. these are the characters these are the people you've never seen before. Now they're coming to cinematic universe. That's a big difference. Yeah. I think also, sorry, go ahead. Jeff. No, you go ahead. It's fine. The, the other difference is that Marvel never did that until they had an established track record of releasing these movies. They didn't do that at before Iron Man one came out and it wasn't like, and we've got this plan and guess what? Shane Black's going to do a Christmas movie for Iron Man three. And everybody got all excited. What EA did is they walked out on stage and they said, we're making like Zab said, I think it's a sequel. I think it's a, a retail, maybe 
Destiny Taken King style thing. Like it's an add-on, but also retail release. But it's like we're making an expansion for this big game that sold really well that people are kind of over. And we're also working on other stuff. Eventually. We haven't released any of it. All right, dope. And and that is hard to get excited about when we're like, where we wanted that stuff four years ago. Yeah. And I, it's us. It's first world problems. But I think that's the difference. No, I think you're I, right. I assume... I assume that there's some story stuff coming out of Motive because I know Mitch Dyer, who used to work at IGN, left IGN to go work there as a writer. So I know that there are people there writing stuff, and I don't think it's just like menu text. So I think they're working on, <laughs> I think they're working on something, and they got a good team in Montreal um, that you know Jade has built. So I think that you know there's a lot to be excited about for Star Wars. You know them making good Star Wars games. They they got a pretty sluggish start, I think, right now with Battlefront. Uh, it looked great, but didn't play it particularly well. It was really casual, I think, and it had no single player content. So, or you know, it had those missions, but whatever. Let's forget about it. I I think that you know they're prepping us, but it's a little bit like when they have um, that you know the major movie studios just set dates, yeah, for things, and you know. It, you know, Warner did this with their DC Cinematic Universe, and they said, you know, we've reserved these dates for untitled movies. That's a little like what they did, because we knew yeah. all these studios were working on Star Wars games. So it's not giving us the information that, like, a Marvel gives us. Or it's like, uh, Joss Whedon is directing a Marvel movie coming in three years. And it's like, oh, okay, well, stop the presses, you know? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it just all kind of added up to make the entire press conference feel a little slight to me. It just made everything feel like we're working so hard, you guys. And I appreciate that. And, you know, maybe it's for the best that we don't have any kind of fake whatever, or, you know, a a demo that was made just for this, just to kind of tease people. But at the same time, it just felt like there wasn't a lot of meat on that bone for, for the press conference. Um, Of course, the big ending moment, the big ending game that we are going to get this year, uh, the two games we're going to get, other than the sports stuff, is Titanfall 2 and Battlefield 1. But they had also kind of blown that wad a little bit by announcing Battlefield 1 and having the big reveal a few weeks ago, which we talked about on the show. Um, So, you know, first live giant multiplayer match with all the celebrities, uh, you know, it was was fine. Um, <laughs> I love disappointed Jeff. You can't. Even. <laughs> I mean, it was. It was to me. It was a very disappointing. I, I, you know, woke up, had this hard morning. Felt like oh, I just hope video games make me feel good. And then this whole conference, I just felt like just kind of was very tepid and and didn't light my fires. Luckily, there was another conference that happened. Well, we'll get to that. Yay. EA kicked your butt of your prediction of like, or your hope that more conferences would be like Fallout 4 last year. Like we got this great game and it's coming out in two months. EA was like, hey, we hope we're making these great, we got talented people working hard. Yeah. Eventually. Well, but they had that with Titanfall 2. Like it just, it just got spoiled, right? They, they really yeah. could have started the whole thing off with that of like October, guys, how crazy. It's ready. I, I, you know, but I feel like people thought it was going to be because they broke off into their own thing. They thought, well, they're going to do what Bethesda did last year and just wow us. But it seems like to me after watching the conference, they sort of had this impression of we don't really have a lot of big, crazy news. We have some things that we're really, you know, happy about like Titanfall. But so let's just turn this into a community thing and bring a lot of people in, have an offsite. Yeah. 
literally across the street and just invite people to play on these stations. And that'll be sort of our motif this year, rather than spend money and time making people go between Microsoft and Sony to EA to see nothing. So I think, you know, for the journalists, I'm sure they appreciate that because if I had to, you know, skip something in the middle of the day to go to EA, EA and see this, I would be disappointed in terms of what I got to write about it. Right. Yeah. Well, let's move on then to the uh, much meatier press conference of the day, uh, which is Bethesda. Bethesda, who's had their very first press conference ever last year, and really, I th- and and it was the first press conference of the E3 week, and they sort of broke the mold by going moving a day earlier than anything else, and really, you know, did a lot of things that nobody had done before, announcing Fallout Four and having it come out in the same year, all that stuff. I think they were riding high. They even spoke about it during the con- uh, the. Uh, press conference about what a great year they had had all these great games had come out doom i think doom the the feeling i get is that doom surprised them (laughs) because they weren't sending out early press copies of doom they were real they were really making a very little deal about doom on the way i think they didn't expect it to be such a big hit and everybody loves it and they're like yeah so doom is great too guys everybody likes doom Uh, i think it surprised them but yes, they're coming off a great year, and so they had a lot to talk about. They were in a new venue, this really cool airplane hangar uh, in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, where it was really neat. I don't know how much came through on the on the um, stream, guys, but they like projected stuff on the ceiling, and there's like it's like a rounded you know airplane hangar ceiling, and it and I was sitting directly underneath that because I was like in one of the first four or five rows. And I was, it just like felt like the whole thing enveloped me. It was a really neat experience being there. Um, but they had a lot of stuff to talk about. They had a lot of really cool things. They started the conference off with a pretty big reveal. Uh, Quake is back. I mean, they re- rebooted Doom, and they're going to do the same with Quake. Uh, they announced Quake Champions, which for half a second I thought, they're doing a MOBA. With Quake. That's what I thought too. I <laughs> but there's no single player though, right? It's just an arena shooter. It's just an arena it's shooter. It's the yeah. 497th arena shooter that's going to be coming out in the next uh, 6 to 12 months. Yeah. And are people excited about that based on the reception that Doom multiplayer has? I didn't. I, I don't know. I, I feel bad. I'm in a... Well, this... the Doom multiplayer was done by a, a company that wasn't id. It right. It was a certain affinity, I think, did their multiplayer. And they've since been taken off that project, or sort of they've they've closed up shop um, on that deal, and now it is taking over to fix it because the Doom multiplayer is a travesty. But this is you know only Quake. It's basically Quake Three Arena Part Two. Uh, it's just going to be that. I also was worried that it was a, a MOBA, and I was like, oh boy, they were a little late on the gun when it came to the collectible card game thing last year. Yeah. I hope this isn't like late on on the draw with the MOBA, but I'm really glad that it's a shooter. I guess. I mean, it. it I guess you want Quick to be a shooter, but boy, is there a glut of arena multiplayer shooters. If you want a, if you want a competitive esports ready multiplayer shooter, boy, do you have a lot to choose from in the next few months. Yeah, I'm curious if this is, you know, boxed retail. Is this a full-priced game? Is this free-to-play with customization? And then, you know, the cinematic trailer it was pretty, but, I mean, that was 100% CG. I mean, there was no movement of how the game actually looks or plays. I know that, I mean, it seems like it's PC-exclusive with, they were, you know, touting unlocked frame rate yeah, and all of this stuff. PC-exclusive. Yeah, so, 
it, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. A little bit in the route of the the Overwatch side of things, where you know the character, you know, they talked about you know characters, and you pick from the, this slate of characters. And in the Quake Arena universe, has characters. I spotted Gore from the original Quake Three Arena. It looks like he's in this game. You know, I excited. I'm excited about it because I love Quake. Yeah. And uh, it was sort of a, the series that that it had that they sent off to die after the last one. Um, Enemy territory, and I think Quake Four, you know, didn't really impress anyone. But you know, I would agree that there there's a glut of these kinds of games. But this is sort of the original arena shooter to me that I really loved playing way back when. It'd be like this and Unreal Tournament. Do multiplayer the original? Yeah. You know, that's sort of it brings me back to that. So I'm excited to see based on what they've done with Doom, and they seem to get things about Doom that I didn't even understand. Just like it's it's humor and how it's presented to the player and how frantic it is. Little things that I didn't even pick up, I really enjoyed about that original game, and I really hope that that's where this goes. But like Christian said, we saw nothing. We just saw a CG trailer, and it's like, yeah, it's, they, and they said Quake Champions, but that's all we know about it. Yeah. Uh, but well, It's funny because I feel like there are two or three other games that when they were announced, uh, like Lawbreakers and that John Romero game that was up on uh, Kickstarter for a hot second, um, th- that when they were announced, they were like, because there's no such thing as Quake anymore. <laughs> it's people who want that throwback to those kinds of games. And it's like now there's 12 of those things, it seems like. It's crazy. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess. They did not mention Battlecry at all, which was interesting. Yeah. That was the that's, that was my biggest um, – the biggest surprise, I think, of – aside from what Jeff will talk about later of Bethesda's conference is this was a game that they were really going hard on. And this year it's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that game sold well, and it's really no, 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 no. Battle Cry is different. Oh, Battle you're thinking Cry. Battle Born. Yeah, no, no, Battle Cry. You're right. Is uh, well, we heard that that game might not exist anymore. Um, yeah, that. It, it, boy, I played it last year, and it was not great. Um, but yeah, that was. So you're saying it'll be back three years from now with the same name, maybe. and just because they own the name, maybe they'll call it Prey just for kicks. <laughs> well, we can jump to that because that was a major shocker for me i mean this is this was i think one of the biggest reveals of the entire press conference uh they showed you know they show what uh, arkham studios is doing um oh wait what did i say that wrong arcane, arcane excuse me arcane. i said arkham. arcane austin yeah uh you know obviously they they're the guys that started dishonored uh split into two different groups and dishonored two which we'll talk about shortly but this other new thing and we see this trailer and it looks so crazy and it's got a kind of like this weird like Groundhog Day or um, Edge of Tomorrow kind of like repeat the same day over and over thing. Uh, it's super far in the future and it's got this really crazy aesthetic and what's going on and uh, – and then the title comes up and it's Prey? <laughs> what? Did it – am I – Am I the only one that played that game, Prey? Because it's nothing like this. We own the IP and we haven't wrote it off yet on our income statement, so we better use it, right? <laughs> I love their – it's the second game of the series. They're rebooting the name. They're pulling an EA and they're just like, let's just call it Prey. It's like but the last game was called Prey. It's not like this is the ninth game of the right. series where we can just call it Doom. It's so it's weird. Prey. And Prey – 
like was a very specific thing that was none of this. And then Prey 2 got announced way back when. And it and looked awesome. And it looked awesome. And uh, I was super excited about it. It looked like Blade Runner the game. So it's not that either. It's not, it's not even like an iteration on that idea. It's a completely new thing. It doesn't have anything to do with a uh, Native American, which is kind of <laughs> praise, you know, kind of hallmark. Uh, it's just so weird. Like, why not just name it? So- does, does the name Prey buy you anything? Why, why do you even name it Prey? I don't get it. It, it buys them this conversation, really. Yeah, That's all it does. But I, I would have been talking about this. I would have been talking about the game anyway. It looks awesome. I mean, just, just whatever it is, it, I was completely intrigued by that narrative hook and and I, I it left me with a lot of really cool questions and the pedigree of the studio working on it i i'm in yeah i think if they had ended that with like a title reveal and it's called i'm just pitching a dumb name but it's like you know the next game that we're working on the loop i'd be like ooh, yeah. new ips got me interested right. yeah. as is we're having this kind of humorous conversation and also um there's no way my 980 ti runs that game the that game I think I tweeted like uh, Bethesda now showing no way your graphics card or current console can run a game that looks this pretty, pretty. That game looked, but they, I shouldn't say the game. That trailer looked so beautiful. His arm hair, yo. Did you see his arm hair? Everything about it and the reflections in the guns or whatever when he comes around the corner and you see, it's like, holy crap. I I don't know what that is, but there's no way I'm playing that. You know, (laughs) I got super excited about it. It gave me a real dead space alien isolation vibe. Yeah. uh, Which I think is really cool. A couple of details did come out after the conference. Um, The character you play, uh, Morgan, you um, it's Chinese and you can play as either a male or a female, which is great. Um, So got to love those uh, um, androgynous first names. They work. Morgan works. That's why they. That's why they specifically named uh, this character Morgan, so you can pl- you know play as the character you want yeah. to. So I, it does, does look real. I mean, as soon as he kept going to the mirror and like his eyes getting redder and redder, and it just this like really weird aesthetic that's going on. It looks very clean lines, like almost like you were in a portal experiment, and then it just goes all to hell in a way that Portal has never had. It's like Portal went funny, this went dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm 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 totally into that. Yeah, it looks really the, cool. The name is silly. Our, a and, lot of our chat room is into it too. Uh, Rocket Striker said when the title "Prey" popped up, I'm not going to lie, made my head turn. So you know, maybe it, maybe the title does uh, get some some juice. Well, I think Rocket Striker and chat, when the "Prey" title popped up. Oh no, that's what you just read. Uh, Jazz Galaxy. It, "Prey" may reveal itself to be more tied to the original concept. Even the more we hear about it, that's true. I would, I would, I would love. Like it'd be nice or cool in some way. If even if it wasn't directly tied, if you had a a nice nod or something that that does tie it back. I mean, you're seeing a guy wake up the same day over and over and over again. For all I know, the day before was prey one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's true. I don't know. I played all through that game. Prey. It was not good. It was not a good game. Uh, you got to pray just to make it today. That's why we pray. That song is like five minutes long. If you haven't listened to it recently, it's crazy. <laughs> MC Hammer's Prey, by the way, is what I'm talking about. Um, lots of other stuff. Lots of little bits here and there uh, talking about uh, tons of new content for Fallout 4 that looked awesome. I think they're really doubling down on the creativity side of Fallout 4 like with all these like crazy little contraptions that you can make. Uh, and then this teaser of a, of a, a Nuka-Cola amusement park add-on. Yeah, in August that's crazy. Be, yeah. And there's they make so they make Fallout Shelter the iPad game. And now it looks like which sort of 
is a riff on what you would do in the fallout shelter. And that's sort of like, uh, art imitating life, imitating art. It, it, now they're making this add-on that kind of gives the functionality of the iPad mini game to the big mama game Fallout 4. I don't know. Lots of clever creativity there on display, I think. Yeah. Well, they needed to show a lot of stuff because they recently increased the price of the season pass for that game. Uh, that And that's monthly content. So, like, this month is the contraption stuff, the elevators, armor, weapon kits, tracks, sorting machines, conveyor belts. Next month is the Vault Tech, which is what you're talking about. And it had that sort of that XCOM hive looking thing mm-hmm. or the ant farm looking right. thing, which is really cool. And then the Nuka World in August. So that's there's a lot of content coming for that game. Nuka World looks so fun. I want to go to Nuka World. Um, lots, of, lots of discussion about uh, Elder Scrolls Online, which is a game that I loved way back when, uh, but I haven't played a lot. But I guess people are playing it. Seven million gamers, they say. Seven million users. Uh, and was, growing. Yeah. There was one lady in that crowd who, every time that guy spoke, would scream at the top of her lungs. Oh, yeah. You, you need to watch the archive, like the video of this of the press conference, Jeff. Like they had their audience, like the the pickup mic, some like right next to two people, and every is like a lady and and someone else, and it, this lady was just blowing out this mic, like from <laughs> from a just FYI free tip to production people. I think the production people they get to film these events have like concert or comedy special backgrounds. <laughs> so they're like filming the guy talking and then they like cut away to the audience to get an audience reaction. But the audience is people on their phones and compute, like no one is clapping and you just hear this one girl like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's unbelievable. I, I, I was trying to tweet during that press conference and I couldn't cause there was no cell phone coverage in that stupid hangar. Um, but uh, you know they were showing us the pre-show and the pre-pre-show in in on the screens. And I love Adam Sessler, good friend, friend of the show, buddy of mine, uh, and Morgan Webb. They did great. They did a great job. I really do think they did a great job. But they had this shot of them against the yeah. backdrop of an audience. <laughs> and if you know that there is one seat that is prominently featured in your shot of your two hosts, between the two of them, there's one dude who is real <laughs> well lit. That seat, <laughs> when you're in rehearsals and you see, oh, maybe that seat is really well lit. Maybe we should make sure that we put a very specific person in that seat that we know isn't going to completely pull focus constantly and just <laughs> mess around and on our sh- – like how do you – Overlook that. That that. guy changed his shirt like seven times. (laughs) I think he he put his arm around everyone. He he Uh, he knew that this was his moment to shine, and he was not going to let it pass by, baby. He was going to make the most of that. He's at home right now making his own gifts of of that. You know what I mean? Like Christian, that's going on his reel, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, he's calling agents right now. Hundred filler. (laughs) Hundred percent. Felt so bad. It's like guys. How do you miss that? It's so easy to just plant someone in that chair that you know is reliable, but whatever. Um, Did you guys see there was – sorry, sorry, but there was this picture at the, the post-show when um, Morgan and Adam were interviewing developers. There was one point where they were developing – I think it was the Arcane guy or maybe it was Elder Scrolls. And there was just a guy standing behind them eating a giant turkey leg. <laughs> 
Oh, they were giving out giant turkey legs, dude. So this guy's standing directly behind Morgan, <laughs> staring deadpan into the camera, just eating a turkey leg. It was the funniest thing guys, I have ever seen. Uh, that's another thing. I tried to eat one of those turkey legs and have conversations with colleagues. You, there's no way to eat a giant turkey leg and not be a complete a-hole. Like, oh. it, it's disgusting and raw. Do not ever serve giant turkey legs as your food of choice at an event, please. Come on. Hey, hey, Jeff, someone, a mutual friend of ours, uh, tweeted at me, FYI, your boy tried to socialize like a normal person while eating a gigantic turkey <laughs> leg tonight. It was amazing. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. And I did it with many people. Like very prominent people keep coming up to me and saying hi. I'm having a conversation with Michael Bacter and Adam Sessler, and it's like, and I'm trying to chow down on this turkey leg. It's disgusting. Um, well, that wasn't the biggest uh, guffaw of the Bethesda press conference, though. Like there were some clearly drunk bozo. Like they said something, something VR, and there was just one guy in the crowd that was just like, "Yeah, that was me." That was me. My, if you guys aren't following me on Twitter, you do not know that I, like Babe Ruth, pointed to the stands and called my shot. I sat down. There was popcorn in the seats. All the seats had little popcorn bags that had Bethesda's uh, logo on them. And I unraveled the, the clue that they were trying to leave because popcorn has butter on it. Butter ends in R. The best R is VR, so obviously they were trying to tell us that they were going to have some big VR announcements, and everyone m- mocked me on Twitter when I tweeted that, but clearly that was exactly the riddle that they were trying <laughs> to leave breadcrumbs for, or in this case, popcorn kernels, because the greatest news of any press conference ever, Bethesda sounds like they are embracing VR in the way that I dreamed and hoped they would. The best thing was the phrase, the best way to to experience VR is in big open worlds and we make the best ones. Yes, Mm -hmm. this is what I've been saying. So not only did they have Doom, uh, sort of a demo put together of Doom in VR and Fallout 4 in VR, but they announced that in 2017, Fallout 4 will be coming to Vive, which... Somebody got my letters because I that's as soon as I put the vibe on for the first time I went I need a Skyrim or a Fallout in this. The, the, it's it's calling out for that. So speaking of calling out, I did exclaim uh yes when they when they announced that and many no, it was not <laughs> many people my friends of mine were tweeted or texted me immediately like did you just yell and I went yes yes I did. Yes I did. I yelled. <laughs> Yeah. So let's skip ahead. We'll talk about Dishonored 2 looks amazing. I want to give it its full time, but I can't not know. You went eyes on dish. Yeah. So basically what happened, I, I, I'm going to be completely honest with what I did because I, you guys know how much I love me VR and I was so excited about this. So as soon as they did all the the Dishonored 2 stuff. I was still watching, I was still watching. But then, like, I could tell they were kind of wrapping up. And so I, like, I left my seat quickly and, like, scampered to the door. <laughs> and then as soon as they let us out, as soon as they, you know, ended the conference, I bolted and, like, ran across the parking lot, ran to the tent where they were having the after party and Blink-182 was playing. And they had the VR demo station set up and got in line immediately to try it out. Um, 
And unfortunately, I couldn't get there fast enough to actually be at the beginning of the line. So I had to wait a really long time. Uh, but I did get to try, not both, unfortunately, but I, I will get a chance to try Doom later. But I wanted to see what uh, Fallout 4 was like in VR. And um, I will also be completely honest because they didn't tell me I couldn't say this. When I, when I was talking about a Skyrim or a Fallout in VR, people were like, oh, yeah, well, you're going to get sick. You're going to get sick. And I was like, no, you just make a teleportation system. It's, it's, that's how they do it. And that's exactly what they did. There's, it's, a, it's a teleportation system. There doesn't seem to be any way to use VATS, at least in the build that they were showing. I couldn't f- figure out any way to initiate VATS. I was hoping VATS or they'll figure out a way to do VATS in the VR. But it was pure, you know, uh, you have a gun in your hand. There wasn't access to any inventory systems. It was a lot of that was reduced. Uh, but you had a gun in your hand and you just aimed and shot at, you know, rabid dogs or whatever that were coming at you. Uh, and it was all sort of real-time virtual reality style, uh, which worked really, really well. And you have a teleportation. Your other hand your other hand is your pit boy. So you can hold your pit boy up to you at any time and look at it. Text was pretty hard to read. They're going to have to do something about that because in the in the VR headsets as they are now – Really hard to read text that small, so I'm sure they're going to have to figure that out. But it's cool that the the Pip-Boy is always there in your hand, and that hand lets you teleport around the level. So what I did with the short few minutes that I got uh, in the demo is I went, how far can I teleport? How, How far can I go? And I just picked a direction and started teleporting as quick as I could in that direction. And I went real far, you guys. (laughs) <laughs> real far when i finally got out of the demo the lady the lady goes uh i almost had to stop you because you went way far beyond what they told us you were supposed to be able to go to and i was like it's it, it's the whole game right is it the whole game and she said it's the whole game so they have a build right now that i was in that is all of fallout 4 in vive and it works but tell so i i kind of agree in the chat bringing it up like teleportation is i mean it, does that make it a point and click? I mean, I feel like it now they've made it a point and click crossed with Infinity Blade. Is that kind of how you're playing this game? Um, well, it's I don't know what you mean by crossed with Infinity Blade. Cuz like you go so you go into combat and it's like punch or I guess not it's not Infinity Blade cuz you're shooting more, but it's like a shooting gallery cuz you can't move and shoot at the same time anymore, well, right? Tell, it's I mean, like, there's a lot of Vive games that do that already. Uh, there's right. a game called Legend of Lucia that does it really well. Um, but yeah, I mean you're, you, you, you I don't know if the teleportation is going to stick, is going to be what they end up going with, but it, it works. I mean, you are, yeah, you're, hop, you're hopping from point to point. It's a very small uh, range. So, you, you know, there's a lot of Vive games that do this where you, you hold the trigger on one hand and it shows you sort of this, this, like, uh, this arc, this small little arc that extends from your hand that points to a point on the ground and that's where you're going to teleport to. And it's not that far for this game. So... When I needed to move a long distance, which is what I intended to do, I just I just spammed that button. And so it was like, teleport, 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 teleport. So you're kind of like hopping. And it, it solves the nausea issue. It does, you know, it does create a, a weird narrative problem, I guess. Like, why are you now teleporting around? I think that's a small price to pay for the feeling of being in that world, which is pretty amazing. I mean, when you first started up, like you're at the, the first, um, you know, gas station that you can use as a home base, red rocket yeah, or something. Exactly. Or... And your dog 
is, you know, uh, dog meat is staring at you. And it's in 3D. He's he's there, and you, you like you lean down, and he follows your face, and it's pretty amazing. You know, it's pretty remarkable. And so I think the teleporting is not is a pretty small price to pay for that world uh, on that scale. And the fact that they the whole game is there. It's not, you know, it didn't. I didn't have any stuttering. The game played really well. It didn't look like it was on super high graphic settings, but it looked pretty good. Looked pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and shooting so was the- cool and. It was the the chat has had, a couple people have asked. Can you could you do any like room scale? Could you move within? Could you move within your room and then teleport to go outside that? Yes. Or is your only movement? But they the okay. space that they had set up was quite small. Mm. Uh, it seemed like they had turned off any of the chaperone stuff, and you, there really wasn't much room to. Room <laughs> <walk>. <laughs> You're just smacking into well, walls. I saw the turkey girl legs. ahead of me playing Doom, smacking into the wall over and over. <laughs> Uh, I'm really anxious to try Doom and see what they were doing with Doom because everybody that got out of that was like, oh, my God. Really? Because so, it sounded like that was just tour the environment Well, they to were me, shooting but maybe that stuff, and then there. the girl ahead of me screamed. So clearly a demon does something to you in, in that demo. And I will – there's no huh. way I'm going through this E3 without seeing that. So I'm excited. Uh, a couple um, people in chat have asked um, if it's also coming to Oculus. <clears throat> and they only announced it on Vive. And I don't think – you can expect that to show up on Oculus considering the legal issue between uh, ZeniMax and Oculus right now. Mm. Um, I think ZeniMax is suing Oculus because of uh, John Carmack's involvement. They, they were at one time. There was definitely a lot of like uh, chest puffing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's The thing that's so exciting to me is that statement that we recognize that VR is a thing. There's big signs that said Bethesda VR. Like this is not a one-off. This is not them dabbling. This is, I think, an understanding that VR is a thing. It creates a sense of presence. And the best kinds of games to feel a sense of presence in are giant open worlds. And those are the games we make. I walked away from that. Maybe this is, you know... 60 or 70% hope, but I think there is some other percentage of actual basis there. I walked away from that thinking whatever Elder Scrolls 6 is, I think is probably going to come native with some VR support because I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but I also feel like it's far enough out that VR is going to improve. And I think they recognize their games are perfect for this technology, and I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm so excited. Now, if you play something like Alien Isolation with you know when you hack in the Oculus stuff, you can use a uh, control pad to move around. Yeah. So it's and it's possible. So that's something that obviously you know we all hope that they put in there, so it's not just teleportation. But let's say teleportation is the way it goes because that's what a lot of experiences are in VR right now for first person shooter type games. At what point do we start to worry that this is turning into a little bit of a connect situation where we have these games that we want to put in a connect world, but we need to sort of do it in a very specific way for it to work. Um, you have both devices. I know you're a big proponent for VR. I think VR is, is fantastic. Um, but you know, is there any concern from you at least when it comes to that? That being what specifically that like the VR experiences that we're going to get at a large scale like this, like a fallout would just rely on something that tricks us 
into movement like the teleportation and not giving us free range of movement and also VR because of the concern about getting people sick? Well, I think we're in very early days and everybody's working on this problem. And there's a whole bunch of different solutions. I was talking to somebody uh, at the show uh, just you know a couple hours ago about a game – uh, that I played on Vive that is uh, just somebody is making. It's like an early access game as one guy is making it. And it's really more of a tech demo than anything else. But his solution is a teleportation solution, but you hold you hold a button and like a ghost version of you starts pathfinding towards the destination that you want to teleport to. So you don't instantly jump there. You still have to be able to get through the environment to get there and it also takes time so it doesn't cheat any of the game world by being able to instantly move from place to place like a teleportation you still have to be able to get there and it still takes time and if you let the button go before your little ghost you gets the full destination you show up where he got to so it's it's as if you're moving there you're just not doing it and that's an interesting idea. I don't know. I don't know what the, the correct solution is. And maybe there will be ways to just sort of eliminate the nausea altogether and we can get to a, a movement, uh, you know, more natural what we expect from a video game. I don't know. I will say I don't think teleportation right now is too much of a trade-off. It, having played a whole bunch of Vive games now that use it, it really works well and it's a cool thing to do. Like being able to walk around my environment in real space for sh- small movements but then teleport when I need to, I think that's p- a pretty darn good solution for now as well. I think that that's a good idea and I, and I like this uh, – the, the early access game you mentioned. I like that concept. When it comes to a game like Fallout, I really hope that there's something other than teleportation because the thing about Fallout and all of Bethesda games is there's a lot of stuff hidden in nooks and crannies. And if you're teleporting 100 yards in front of you, you might miss a lot of these little details or secrets. So I – you know, obviously this is just something that they showed off today and they're working on it for next year. I think they're smart enough to know that people will want more freedom. Uh, especially when it comes to VR, which is such an immersive experience. Yeah. So, well, and again, th- that the way it was working now, it it was a very short. It wasn't a hundred yards. It was a very short hop, skip, and a jump. And I was kind of just spamming it. So I don't know. And I I think that there are in early days of how this game is going to be implemented because a, a lot of stuff was deactivated. Like I said, I couldn't you know mess with stuff on my Pip Boy. I could just sort of look at it and scroll through maps and stuff. Um, so there's a lot still to understand about how they're going to implement this game. But I just love the fact that it's happening and that they're embracing it so thoroughly. It's so perfect. What if you tied your fallout app on your iPhone, turn on Bluetooth and you have to pull up your actual phone up to the Vive computer, crazy Vive camera to look at your pit boy or like bringing some of that interactive stuff into the, to the real world. That would be wild. Yeah. I mean, there's possibilities are endless. It's pretty cool. Uh, well, it's getting it's getting late. I hear Christian yawning. Um, <laughs> oh no, that was Yanni. Oh. I was playing some oh, yeah. Yanni. Sorry, could you hear that? No, I'm just yawning. If I am, it's because it's late. I get it. We're, we should. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to get this edited so we can get it out. We need for to. RSS. So people. let's just let's wrap this up by talking about Dishonored Two. I think that was really the the centerpiece of their conference because um, you know it's coming out this year and it's a big game and it looks absolutely gorgeous. Uh, what what were your feelings on uh, on Dishonored Two, Christian? 
I think Dishonored 2 looks amazing from a conference standpoint. I feel like Bethesda's conference 2 was lacking. Like they stuck with, they were like, we did it first for the first time last year and we killed it. And because they did all this in-depth stuff with Fallout 4, which I think is a game that warrants spending that much time with it. But like when they first, and like, and this is your first look at Dishonored 2 and it was just like a nature documentary. I was like, Bethesda, you jerks. If this is all you give me of this game. And then they showed me more and then more. And then I was like, I don't want to see any more because what I love about that game is, or the first game was figuring my own stuff out. I say this a lot, but it's that portal feeling of like, I broke the game. And they're like, no, no, we, we meant for you to do that. Like that's one of the three ways you can do that. But holy moly, um, Dishonored 2, I, I love, I feel like they exaggerated a little bit more, like the graphic style, like everybody kind of has a Popeye effect or they're all kind of caricatures, but also at the same time, it's not, um, um, I don't want to say grotesque because that implies monstrous, but you know, it's clearly exaggerated humanistic features and, and stuff and gives it an appeal that isn't photorealistic, but the graphic fidelity of like the textures and the stuff they're talking about, the world being lived in and posters that are scraped off from before. And I, ah, uh, I really hope I can run that on my PC or that comes through on the PS4 or Xbox one version of the game. And then kind of the inventiveness that they were showing, um, with that when they finally did live gameplay or whatever. And also from inside sources, I've heard that people that are playing the game in like a limited closed beta are already blowing the developers minds with power combinations that they're pulling off for kills and takedowns. I was already hyped for dishonored too. And then seeing it made me hype even more. I wish they showed me less (laughs) (laughs) just because I was like already on board, but pleasing us. We want more or we want less. 100%. 100%. E3, there is no pleasing what about me. <laughs> that, what about that crazy timepiece mechanic? I've seen time-related uh, things in video games done a thousand ways, but to have that those shards that give you a glimpse into a different time period and then you can pop back and forth between time periods and have... That was really unbelievable. Cool, yeah. I, I just thought that was so unique. And I think that's only one level, though, right? Is that what they implied? I, I'm not clear. Or is that all the time? I don't know. It, but that was incredible. Zav, what are you about you? What do you What do you think? Uh, about the timepiece specifically? Oh yeah, or, or you know, overall in the game. I mean, I I think that that's what's really interesting about it is we are going to get Corvo back, and and he has his you know existing. You know, personality and the uh, powers that we're used to from the original game, and they've been amped up, which is really cool. Uh, but being able to play as Emily with all these very new and interesting ideas, although um, her shadow walk ability reminded me of the darkness. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. played the darkness all that much. It looks like the darkness. It plays a little bit like it, um, from what I can tell. That's pretty neat. Uh, the mesmerizability was was a, a cool addition too. So she, you could sort of do more stealth options. Um, and I, you know, I, I like the idea of them world building. Like now, you know, we had Dunwall the first game, and now we have this new Mediterranean city uh, landscape and like a harbor front. Uh, it, it adds more just to the feel of what this giant world is. It seemed very isolated in the first game, and this is much more explosive and, and larger. So I think that that's one thing that I'm really excited about a game that I like the single player in. I get to learn more about that world. Yeah. Yeah, boy, it, it looks uh, like they doubled down on everything that's great in the first one. It, it looks more, more pretty and uh, m- you know more interesting and more vibrant than the first game. I, I just uh, I think this game is going to really solidify that as a major franchise, and 
It looks awesome to me. I'm, I'm hoping that that time thing is a more than just one level. I, I really thought it was a pretty clever idea and the way you could use it to, you know, get behind people. I, it looks very overpowered, like, you know. Right, you can just walk through a level. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It looks it looks really, really good. Uh, I also want to talk – I skipped over that, but um, I thought the much-rumored uh, Skyrim uh, remaster looked really nice. I, uh, I was yeah. – like, oh man, am I going to jump back and play Skyrim again just because I can play it prettier? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, it looked so good. So, and with mods on, on console, which is, yeah. you know, it's it's going through growing pains a little bit right now with Fallout 4. Uh, with some of the, like, the copyright stuff. People just copying and putting their own mods of other people under their name on Fallout 4 on console right now or on the Xbox One. So that's an issue. But the ability to add a lot of those Skyrim mods to console is part of the reason why I played Skyrim on PC after buying it on console, because there was a lot of like UI adjustments that people made that were really intelligent on the PC side in steam workshop that I'm excited about maybe bringing all that stuff over to the console and enjoying it on my big screen TV. And they're doing the cool thing too, where if you own like the complete edition or everything on PC already, um, they'll give you this version for free when it comes out, which is like a nice nod, I think, to, I mean, I think the PC community did a lot of this work for them <laughs> in some regard, right? Like that game you could make look so incredible if you have a beast of a rig on PC. Yeah. And I think it's a nice, a nice nod to them to saying like, hey, you guys have been showering this game with love and praise for so long. This is the least we can do is, is give this to you if you've you know, been with us the whole time. Well, let's wrap it up. What did you guys think of day one? Uh, obviously, you know, the news in the morning really tarnished, I think, day one in a lot of ways. But overall, uh, you know, two press conferences is pales in comparison to tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, coming out of day one, Zav, what are your what are your thoughts? I think it's a pretty strong start. Obviously, the news this morning was uh, pretty tragic, you know, for people to hear about and for, for that to occur uh, was something that you know, was just horrific. Um, it was nice to get into sort of thinking about just entertainment and getting back to, uh, something that we really enjoy. Obviously all of those thoughts, uh, stay with us, but in terms of the games that we, we learned about and some of the details we learned about, it's, it's shaping up to be a, a really solid year, uh, for, franchises that we really enjoy and franchises that we forgot about like prey that are coming back. Um, I I'm excited about it. Tomorrow should be huge. A lot of big Microsoft news, obviously some of which is already leaked. Uh, some outlets have already shown off what the Xbox one S looks like the small Xbox one, at least what it's apparently going to look yeah. like. And, and we heard um, that uh, resident evil seven is going to be a PS4 exclusive. Crazy. Oh, well, I mean, if resident evil, if the last Resident Evil was any indication, I'm sure that, that I'm hopefully they're working on that game. Let's just uh, <laughs> lots of lots of lots of leaks, 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 leaks. Yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty standard. Yeah. I think. Well, I will play my role accordingly. I guess I think that this day was rather middling to meh in terms of like E3 goes. I think the Titanfall leak um, hurt EA's press conference in a big way, but then again. I was 95% sure that that game was going to have single player 
eight months ago. I, I you know, w- the leak wasn't a leak as much as it was like a confirmation of the thing that we all already knew. And um, in terms of like viewing them and watching the conferences, I thought both were pretty boring um, in terms of how they presented their information and how they cut together their trailers. I, this, this might sound like nitpicking, but I don't know. And I think the the big games they showed paled in comparison to what they did last year in terms of like last year we got our first look at Mass Effect Andromeda and it was like tiny but it was like yeah we're doing this game you love and this year it was like sorry here's a kick in the ball it's not coming um the sports game talk they did this year was awful I think you tweeted that you were a fan of story mode and sports games no you're not Jeff you're not you're never going to play that freaking game it's dumb no one is buying a sports game to take a character that is not them through some narrative arc get out of here <laughs> duh um, spending all this time on a f- competitive esport that they're trying to build up, nah, it, it, I don't. It felt very forced and not organic and not real. And it felt I was getting evolved flashes over and over again. Like this is the next big. Here's a guy, and here's a guy that's not camera ready. That we're going to make camera ready, and this is a reel that doesn't work. And then, but that's this press conference. They had such big shoes to fill based on 2015's press conference being one of the best press conferences ever. And this year they just talked about how great their games were from 2015 still. And they're great games. And then they overshared on um, on Dishonored 2. And then Prey was neat, I guess. But in terms of like getting excited, so far this year's E3 press conferences pale in comparison to what we got last year. Well, I certainly hope tomorrow is is better for you. I, I was disappointed coming out of EA, but uh, Bethesda really got me more excited and I, I saw so many things that I'm, you know, pray and even the add-ons to fallout for it. Not, not that I will play with them, but that I want to see what people make with them. <laughs> got me excited. Dishonored 2 looks so great. And, you know, we got, we, we gave our game of the year last year to fallout for uh, Christian, the, the DLC E3 game of show we awarded to fallout. 4. And they didn't show and, it. They didn't no, show it. but I want to know if uh, we could maybe give it to the exact same game again because it's going to be in VR this time. <laughs> Unprecedented same game back to back years. Game well, you haven't show? seen. We we had talked about what we're going to give to Game of Show. I'll, I will tell you right now, I did not do the thing that we had talked about, but I haven't shown you what I did do this for this oh. year, and uh, it's pretty great. Oh, I can't wait to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty so, great. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying front runner for me right now is the exact same game again, but VR this time. So just saying. we'll have to do two then. I'll get another one made that says experience. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we'll be back next next week. No, tomorrow. In a few short We're hours. We're going to be back talking about the Microsoft conference, the Ubisoft conference, the PC conference, and Sony. Again, it's going to be a late night. I don't know. It's going to be rough, but we're going to do it because we care and because we love this stuff. Uh, thank you so much, Zav D'Amatos, for being here. Can you tell uh, folks where they can keep up with your exploits? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at XAV. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for uh, letting me join in the fun. We have to start a Star Wars Imperial Assault campaign soon. Christian, I can no longer hear you. I'm going to assume you're saying yes. <laughs> yes. So we're going to go ahead and do that at some point, post E3, hopefully. Uh, and uh, not the last you've heard of me, I'm sure. And uh, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Also, know this, because tomorrow I will be busy, but I, so I won't be able to pay attention to the conferences. If they announce a Splinter Cell game, I will be a happy Ooh. man. 
I hope I hope they will not announce the Splitter Cell game. <laughs> I would be a happy man if they did. Well, I'll be hoping for that for your sake. Uh, but man, thank you so much for staying up late and hanging out with us tonight. It means a lot to me, and couldn't ask for a better guest. And it's become a tradition, so we'll hopefully be able to carry that through, uh, you know, in the years to come as well. And thank. Forever. Thank you, Christian, uh, for staying up and for uh, editing the show. And I know everybody had uh, – there was some rough audio stuff last week. We apologize for that. But just know that Christian worked so hard on on uh, getting the show together every time. And, and this one in particular will be a late evening. So uh, thank you guys all for listening to the show. Uh, we are in the best week, I think. It's going to be really, really great. So tomorrow again, we'll be back talking about the press conferences and then next Monday – uh, we will return and give our, our game of show and, and talk about all the stuff we got hands on with. So lots of fun. And I'll be here. You can watch the press conferences with oh, me. Yeah. I did it for both today. I'll be a little late to Microsoft just because of, I'll be watching the first part of it on my phone while, uh, I'm de- dealing with kids for a little bit <laughs> in the morning, but, uh, on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer, you can, you can watch me yawn through press conferences cause I'll be tired <laughs> tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting up and going downtown for Microsoft. So God, it's going to be rough. Okay. Anyway, uh, we will be back. So I'll talk to you tomorrow until then. Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. Chugga, 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 chugga.